we were starting from scratch to build up the marketing operation, the marketing engine for that company. And it just struck me that the, we have this discipline that does everything possible to avoid any sort of scale and efficiency. And it happens everywhere else in our business, but it, it just doesn't happen in marketing. In fact, you go into marketing so that people don't know what you do. And that, that's the thing that needed to change. Thank you for listening. This is Brett Trainer, your host for Hardwired for Growth, a podcast where we strive to help entrepreneurs and business owners not only grow their businesses, but scale them. We do this by having conversations with industry experts and the founders who have successfully scaled their own businesses. The voice you heard a moment ago is that of Bill Bice. Bill is a serial entrepreneur that has successfully built or invested in over 25 companies. He is currently the founder and CEO of Boomtime. Boomtime has built the world's first marketing-as-a-service platform. Bill joins the show today to talk about marketing as a technology and how to accelerate revenue growth and how smaller companies can effectively compete with larger businesses. The key questions we answer today are, why content marketing is at foundational to scalable growth, the two biggest mistakes in marketing, how to be top of mind when your prospects are ready to buy, why founders should consider outsourcing their content marketing, and why LinkedIn is an untapped resources for most smaller companies, plus much, much more. Now, on to the intro. Welcome back. You're listening to Hardwired for Growth, a podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and business owners who are looking for sustainable and scalable growth strategies, led by your host, Brett Trainer. Hey, good morning, Bill. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here with you. Uh, great. Like I said, this is, these are usually some of my favorite episodes where I've got a guest, not only is going to be able to share their, their growth story with their company, but also you know, a subject matter expert in an area that I think every founder or any company for that matter should be investing in. So I won't give away the surprise, but maybe to get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your company and you know, what you guys are, are doing today? Well, I, I feel like I was I was born an entrepreneur. I, I started my first company when I was 18 and had absolutely no idea what I was doing. But it's frankly, it's a great time to do it because you also don't have a mortgage and don't have kids and you can <laughs> just uh, and, you, and you don't know what you don't know. The company I run today, Boom Time, is really out of that experience. So I, I added it up so I could so I could actually. So I could say this, which is that I have founded or been on the board and invested in 27 companies. And the correlation, like where we really nailed to go, the go-to-market is, of course, where we had the biggest success. So you do all this really hard work to create a, a great product or service, but then whether you, you get the payoff from that, whether the benefit really accrues is, are you good at marketing? And frankly, I just got really frustrated with getting great marketing for my companies to the point that I, that I, you know, I tried every, all the different options there are. I, I often joke that like, if you want marketing for your small business, there are, there are thousands of options, which is another way of saying that nobody's really figured it out. Right. So, so I decided to tackle that problem and that's, that's what we do at boom time. We, we focus on B2B marketing and, um, because I'm a programmer, I've I've really come at it from the data and a very iterative data-driven approach to figure out what really works. And and the end result is is you know is is the B two B playbook for how 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 to do marketing. 
That's fantastic. How, how big are you guys? How many employees do you have now? Uh, we've got uh, about 35 full-time employees, and then we have a network of about 300 subject matter experts. Okay, that are wow. Really crucial to what we do. Got it. And we're going to get into the kind of the, the why and the how and a little bit later. But, you know, first, I kind of like to take you back down memory lane. You kind of, you know, indicated why you, you started the company. But maybe you could take us back, you know, when you were frustrated and how you actually came up for the idea for Boom Time. Well, it, it came from seeing that pattern of really running into the same problems over and over again. And every time we worked on a new company, it felt like we were starting from scratch to build up the marketing operation, the marketing engine for that company. And it just, it just struck me that the, we have this discipline that, that does everything possible to avoid any sort of scale and efficiency. And it happens everywhere else in our business, but it, it just doesn't happen in marketing. In fact, you go into marketing so that people don't know what you do. And that, that's the thing that needed to change. So that, that was what was driving me in that direction. And it's not an easy problem to solve. Like this, there's a reason that it's tough. It is, it is difficult to figure out and it's difficult to put process and, and scale into, into marketing. Yeah, w- without a doubt. And so was this a, kind of a service or a product that you created with one of your prior companies um, and then decided, hey, you know, if I'm having this problem, everybody else is having this problem? Or, you know, how did it, how did it come from an idea to, I'm going to start a company to, to help solve this problem? Yeah, it actually it grew out of a, a, a first company that we created called Spa Boom that focused on, so this is back in the mid-2000s when spas weren't really online, and, and we created a, a new product, Instant Gift Certificates, that allowed spas to, to sell online, and that you know, then turned into scheduling and, and so on online. And it, it created this new way for spas to sell, and it turns out that you sell a lot better if you have a good website that people can actually use and it's really great at visually communicating what the experience is like at that spa. And then it turns out if you send out emails to people who have bought instant gift certificates in the past, that they're more likely to buy them again. So we ended up building a whole marketing engine around that company. And, you know, one night I was sitting in the, in the Houston airport on the way back from, from Costa Rica and you get a, a three hour layover there. And it just, it just occurred to me that, that all that work we'd done on the B2C side, we could take that and what we've learned from that and go through the same process and figure out how to solve that problem in B2B, which was the, and, and so for Spa Boom itself, it's a B2B company It's going out and selling to other businesses and then helping them provide a consumer service. But in terms of go to market, it's B2B. And the vast majority of the companies that I've worked on have been B2B in terms of their own sales process. And, and so we had, we, we did really well with that. We ended up capturing 20% of the, of the spa market. So why, you know, why don't we take those two things and turn that into a platform to do that over and over again, since that's really what determines whether we're going to be successful or not. 
Got it. No, it makes, makes a lot of sense. And you're right. You had mentioned a little bit earlier that why it's so inefficient. I'd add the sales process too, right? It's last of the wild, wild west where, you know, different owners or different sales leaders also, you know, bring their own methodology <laughs> to it when you, 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 you take over a, a different, especially in the B2B world that, you know, that's what I really like about what you've done is you you've made it a almost a standardized process, if you will, right. And make it more of an a equation than it is, you know, intuition. So, and uh, you know, let me ask you too, cause you've been doing this boom time has been around what, seven, eight years, somewhere in that yes. area. Yeah. And just the changes, you know, from direct marketing to, the digital and how the digital has kind of changed and, you know, did the company kind of morph over the time as the changed or did you find something that was foundational and just kind of built off that? I think it's really the, the, I mean, one of the biggest challenges you have in, in, in a startup is whether you've got the timing right. And so I think we were, we were early at that stage and, and now we're right on, right on time. And the, the thing we've really focused on is is what always works, which is word of mouth. And now we're in an age where with with digital platforms, we can really amplify the effect of that core thing that works really well. And we can make word of mouth happen by doing very specific, consistent things over and over again. And so if you're selling a, a high value service that is whatever the offering or product is, if, if it is complex and high value, then really the same approach is it's just the thing that we've seen in following the data that that works every single time. And it's it's about showing off your expertise. I mean, we really need to do three things. We need to be really good at at capturing the referrals and leads that are coming to us today. And you know, almost every company has a lot more opportunity there than than they're taking advantage of today. So we've got to capture that that interest that's already coming our way. Then we need to be really good at following up on those leads, and you know, frankly, it, it's the psychology of of salespeople. If if you don't see a commission in the next you know thirty to sixty days, you're the likelihood that you're going to follow up on somebody that is a great prospect six months or twelve months from now just isn't that high. So we need a marketing engine that that captures all those opportunities and is taking advantage of them when when the time is right. And then the third thing we got to do is is do all that really well so that we're building an audience that that you own and control. I think it's one of the most undervalued assets in every business, which is the the audience of of clients, past clients, prospective clients that you own that you get to talk to over and over again without having to pay somebody else in order to talk to them. And that that audience is enormously valuable if you take advantage of it and stay top of mind with with that audience. Yeah, it makes so much sense. And it sounds so easy the way <laughs> you laid it out there. But you know, you wouldn't have a business that large if if everybody was was already doing it. So where do you see a lot of the companies struggle with this? Because it seems like that would be foundational. Is it just they they don't know what they don't know? Or, you know, what do you see from from your clients? Well, so the the two biggest mistakes in marketing, number one is is talking about yourself. And that, that's an easy trap to fall into because it's marketing. Isn't that the whole point is to tell people who we are? But the problem is no, nobody cares. What, what they care about is the challenges in their business and their careers. 
And, and so you need to flip that on its head and really pay attention to what's important to your audience and talk about that, which then, of course, leads to, to what you do. It, it's what you're the, the expert in. But it, it really, you know, the kind of standard press release stuff, that should be 10% of your marketing. 90% needs to be showing off your expertise and, and helping your audience. So they're better off whether they ever buy something from you or not. And then the second mistake, and this is the really hard one, is, is consistency. And what you see so often in a smaller business is, yeah, there's some focus on marketing when things are slow, but then they pick back up and you just end up in this cycle forever. And then a little bit larger business, you just don't have the time and resources to get marketing done. And yet what we see in the data over and over again is it's that consistency of doing it day in and day out that's really what makes marketing pay off. So you've got to do the right things, but then you, you've got to commit to a long-term strategy. And that, 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 frankly, is the hardest thing in marketing because we've all bought over and over again some sort of marketing or advertising or lead generation thing that just didn't work. And yet the only marketing that really works is a long-term commitment, and that's tough to do. No, absolutely. And I think too, with world where the world is now, and you can correct me, I'd love to get your perspective. I worked for a, a digital agency, uh, my last corporate role a number of years ago. And at the time, it seemed like, you know, paid ads, either Facebook or Google would work from a pure call to action, right? Even if folks weren't necessarily familiar with you, you could sell them, if you will, based on I don't want to say sight unseen, but it just feels to me like today with the, the opportunity to do the research and understand who the companies are, that that's, that's a, a failed logic, right? You need to build the content and your reputation, if you will. Is that, does that sound right? Oh, I think there's a great insight there because now we're operating in an environment where your prospective clients know so much more than they used to and, and, and have all the information available to them. What you really have to decide is, are you going to wait until they've already gone through that educational process and essentially made the decision and now you're just going to try to advertise to them and hope to catch them at the last minute, which is, is difficult for a smaller company. That, that's the advantage that, that the large brand has. They, they can do that. But if you've got a unique offering in the market and you've got a little bit different approach to what you do, you, you can't afford to let prospects get that far through the process. You've, you've got to be part of educating them. And, and the only way you can do that is, is to show off your expertise, be, be a thought leader in, in your niche. And, and that's, it's, very, it's very effective for creating the brand and reputation for your company. And it captures people much closer to the, to the top of the funnel and it, the way that I look at it is, is every time you sit down with a prospective client, whether it's via email, it's an in-person uh, pitch, they should be better off because they met you. Whether, whether, whether it makes sense for them to buy from you or not, they should be better off because you've got unique perspective you can bring to them. If you're focusing in a particular market, then you're working with hundreds or thousands of companies that are like the, that decision maker, it could be the, the CEO, the, the uh, VP of whatever you have perspective that they can't because they're, they're running their one company and you get to see your niche across hundreds of thousands of companies. So leverage that, bring that expertise to them. This is, this is really concepts out of the challenger sale, which we have found 
to be really effective in, in spreading word of mouth and, and doing this digitally. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, some of the companies I, I see don't necessarily spend the time building, you know, call it maybe the old fashioned branding, right? That you're out there and people hear and see you and they may not be ready to buy now, but they will be, you know, you want to be top of mind when they, they are ready to make a purchase or starting to think about a purchase. And I've, I feel like a lot of, especially in the B2B world, it's all about, you know, buy now, buy now. And they're missing that opportunity to, you know, build, I think to your point, the six to 12 month window that, you know, when folks are there and I just don't see a lot of that yet. That's what would really intrigue me about what you guys were doing. Yeah. And yet it's what, it's what really works. And the, you know, the challenges we, we all want in our businesses. I mean, if you, if you talk to a CEO and say, okay, well, what, what do you really need? You know, you'll always hear, we need more leads. Right. And yet if you ask, well, where'd your last couple of new clients come from? Well, the vast, vast majority of the time, they're going to say, well, it was a referral from so-and-so. So we have one thing that's working really well, which is the, all that hard work that you have in taking care of your clients pays off and turns into referrals. If you just, if you focus on what, what we call social currency, which is giving your clients and, and your referral network, people who, who know who you are and know, know the great work that you do. If you give them a regular reason to talk about you, then you will get more referrals. And now we're in an age where we can, you know, we can do that at, at, at scale. So one of the, one of the great things about B2B is, is whatever effort you're putting into LinkedIn now, you should put five times as much effort because the, the return on that investment is, is just huge. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to pick back up on that LinkedIn in here a second. I just want to get, um, go back to a little bit what you were talking about with the sales and the, the social currency and get your perspective on, you know, I think the world you know, I spent 25 plus years in mostly B2B sales, some demand gen, some account management. And you used to, sales used to be, at least for, for new logos was, you know, outbound, you know, dialing for dollars and connecting and getting people where I, th- I kind of see the world now is, you know, demand generation and the branding is the engine and sales is more of a execution armor facilitator getting customers through the process is, is that the way you guys are viewing the world now? Because you had mentioned using Challenger, you know, kind of integrated with your marketing makes, seems to me to make a ton of sense. Well, it does. And it, and it, and it works really well. So the, the question with that view comes up of, well, how do we, how do we expand our, our audience? How do we get deeper reach than what we have? So, you know, first we want to take full advantage of, of the, the basin audience that we've got today, which, which most companies aren't doing. Let's just take CRM. I, I, I love CRM, except for the fact that it's designed for sales managers and it's almost impossible to get sales reps to actually use your CRM. <laughs> True. But without a CRM system, you're not building that central database of, of your audience that you can then constantly market to. So one of the, one of the, the ways to solve that problem, we, we create something called mailbox mining where we monitor the mailboxes of everybody that is customer facing in the business and just automatically collect up everybody you're talking to. Because what we found is that sales reps are talking to prospects via email way before they ever get in the CRM system. And if they don't show enough interest, they never make it into the CRM. Yeah, interesting. So we never follow up with them. 
So there's such a huge benefit to focusing on, on fully leveraging all the activity that's already happening. And then we can make that jump and say, okay, if we've done that and we have the marketing foundation in place, and so now every time we make a new contact, we're going to be following up with them. We're going to get them into our database. We're going to be communicating with them regularly forever. We're going to be sharing with them really insightful content that is useful to what they care about. Well, then we can expand our audience. And by far the best way to do that in B2B is, is on LinkedIn. It's okay. It's, it's the ideal networking event. You get to meet just the people you want. You don't have to eat high calorie food at the same time. And, and you get, you, you get to target the perfect prospects and then you get to talk to them over time forever. And that's, that is the perfect scenario for really showing off what, what you're great at. Interesting. No, and it makes sense. I do think LinkedIn is a definitely an underrated tool. And I know I don't use it as, as, as much as I should. Any suggestions on maybe um, I'm a newer business owner. Let's stick to the B2B world and just starting to think about my marketing and how to, you know, the outreach. Any, how would you recommend to those types of folks to, to approach this with LinkedIn or other tactics, if you will? Yeah. So if, if you are a smaller company, you know, if it's, if it's you or a couple of folks, then, then the best way to take advantage of LinkedIn is to treat it like the golden hour of, of prospecting. So the old days of when you, you, you mark off an hour and just make cold calls during that time, do that same exact thing, but do it on LinkedIn. And you, you've got to sign up for sales navigator so that you can, uh, you can do good enough queries to really get to the right prospects. And so our goal when we're running a connection campaign for somebody is to send 40 to 50 connection requests a day, every single day. And so that, that's exactly what you should do. And, and you have to approach it very open-ended. If, if you go into it to, to sell, it just won't work. That, that would be right. like going to the networking event, meeting somebody and immediately jumping into your sales pitch. It's one thing if they ask you, but if that's, you know, if that's your, your handshake and your intro, it's, it's not going to go over well. So LinkedIn is exactly the same. You've, you've got to be there because you want to grow your network and you want to be beneficial to that network. And so if you optimize your, your profile for the kind of people that you want to connect to so that you're really relevant to them and showing that off and you have a open-ended friendly connection message that, that is, we're, we're going to be doing this at scale, but you need to write that as if you, you, you're talking to one person. Person. And then, okay. And then what we found works really well is to then follow up with everybody who connects with you. And that's a great opportunity to share a piece of content that you've written that, that really, really has some great perspective and insight in it. It's not, it's not salesy at all. It has to be, it can't be salesy if you want this to work. It has to show that you're really an expert at what you do. And out of that will come sales opportunities and questions will come and opportunities will come. But that's that's the way to make it happen. It makes a lot of sense. And I think if I'm hearing that right, you probably should have some really good pieces of content first before starting your outreach, right? Or you're going to handicap yourself a little bit? Yeah. The, I mean, you can get the connection campaign going just so that you have a bigger network if you're sort of starting smaller. But you're going to have to have great content. I mean, 90% of the effort has to is about great content. Because all of the tactics are not going to matter if we don't have a really good strategy behind how you're going to show that you're an expert in your field. 
So you, you have to do that part. Otherwise, none of these other things are going to matter. You're just going to be throwing stuff out there and, and nothing's going to stick. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And I do think, you know, as going back to, to, to boom time, and that's really what you guys focus on, right? I think I've heard you in the past say, right, if you're a CEO or a founder, do you have time or do you even enjoy writing great content, right? And kind of that's where what your, your core focus is with your company, right? It is. And I mean, when you're starting out, you have to do it yourself because you don't really have a choice unless you're in, in some amazing situation where you've got a, a big budget to work with. But then later when, when you've got a more established company, it, it just, it always falls by the wayside. I've, I've, I've never seen the, the CEO of an ongoing company that, you know, that's, that's up and running, has more than a million dollars in revenue. Like you just, you're never going to get it done yourself because you have a company to run. And so you have to go get, I mean, this is why we have a network of, of 300 subject matter experts because we don't do any of the writing in house. I, I call it the copywriter problem, right? So if you're selling okay. a, a SaaS enterprise solution, you don't want somebody who was working on a car dealership last week trying to figure out your really specific niche and, you know, logistics. It, it's just never going to work. You're going to spend all your time educating them. What you need is somebody who comes out of your market, already understands it. And because I, I can sit down with the CEO of a company and in half an hour get enough great ideas for six months of editorial. And then we can go find somebody who already knows that market and give them a creative brief with a few bullet points for each article that we want and, and get really great content. The, the hard part is actually getting the voice right. And we have found we often need to have two levels there. We need a subject matter expert who knows that area inside and out. And then we need an editor who is really good at shifting that a little bit and capturing the voice of that CEO or, or whoever you know, whoever we're representing in the market. Interesting. Yeah. What a, what a great idea. You know, I, th I think back again, go back to the digital agency, we were actually selling into the SMB space and, you know, it was either roofers or lawyers or plumbers. And if you didn't speak their language, either in the messaging or in conversations, you didn't, you didn't have a chance. <laughs> Looking back in hindsight, that seemed like it was so, obvious, but I still see a lot of companies making that mistake today of not speaking the language of, of the customer. Yeah. It's, it's tough to do if you don't specialize in that particular field. I mean, we do a lot of work with law firms and, and legal isn't one area. It's a whole bunch of different practice areas. Every single right. one of them is a different area of expertise. And so the only thing that really works is to have a JD that, that, has practiced in that area and, and knows that area of law really well. And so it's a, it's a tough thing to do. And it's why the traditional agency model can be very effective for, for really great teams, but it's, it's difficult to scale and it's difficult to take across a lot of different kinds of businesses. So we've really focused on process and automation and then bring in the expertise that's very market specific because and, and part of why we ended up focusing on B2B is that we have found that it's the, it's the same approach and we're able to use the same tools and same process, no matter what kind of complex thing you're selling. It's just what we're talking about and who we're talking to is very different, but the, the process is exactly the same. Yeah, no, that makes a, makes a ton of sense. So if I shift it back to 
somebody just getting started or is a, you know, a solopreneur right now and don't have the, the budget and they're looking to create some of that content. I know this is going to be a really broad <laughs> question, but is there some foundational types of content that you would recommend or is it really just vary by industry or who your customers are? Well, the, it does, but the key is to put yourself in the, in the shoes of your target audience and, and really understand what they care about. And, and then the hardest part of this is that what's most effective is to give away whatever you think is most valuable. Whatever expertise yeah. you have that you hold most closely dear, that's what you should be writing about and that's what you should be sharing because that's what's going to get people to understand that you're an expert at what you do. And that's what's going to attract them to you. And, and then that's what's going to create sales opportunities. Interesting. Because I think most folks would think, well, if I give away all my good stuff, then they're not going to need me. But uh, basically what you're saying is that the opposite is true, right? If you give them the really good stuff, they're going to be more likely to reach out to you. If, if they had time to figure it out and do it, then, then they already would. So I'm willing to completely lay out what you need to do in your marketing because I think the more small businesses that do this, the better. I, 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 I love small business. It's the driver for our economy. It's, it's, it's what creates innovation. It's where the majority of our, of our new employment comes from. But if you don't move the level of your marketing up and put some sophistication in it so you can actually compete with what are, you know, by definition, much larger competitors, it, you know, it's really tough to be viable long-term. And so I want as many small businesses to do this as, as possible. And so I'll, I'll lay out exactly what you need to do. The hard part is, is actually doing it. And, and so that's why we have a business. And when you're in the early stages, you, you almost have to do it yourself. And so, you know, you just, you come and learn, you, you don't need to, to recreate this. Like there are your, your larger competitors have already spent millions of dollars figuring out what works on the market. And there are other small companies like you that have figured out how to take that and learn from it and apply it in that context. And the best thing to do is learn from that and put it to work, not, not to have to do all the experimentation yourself. No, it makes, makes a lot of sense. Why reinvent the wheel if it's, it's already out there. And, you know, it's definitely one of the, the advantages of being that smaller business, you're more nimble and can, you know, pivot quicker or make sure the messaging is, you know, different than maybe who exactly. your, your larger competitors are. Yeah. Cause now you can really iterate, you can follow the data and see what's creating engagement. It's, it's really, if, you know, if we talk about LinkedIn again, it's, it's you know, really easy to do this with, with email. It's really easy to do it with your website. You can see what's working by looking at the analytics. And so in LinkedIn, it's really easy because you, it, LinkedIn tells you how many people paid attention to your post. You can see what kind of likes and comments that you got and your whole goal in life is to put content that's so valuable out there that people, people want to interact with it. And that gets you more exposure for that content that gets you more exposure for your business. And so you can just, you know, make a chart and see every, every comment and like you get increases the amount of exposure you get for that post. And, and so you just, you just constantly iterate and figure out how to get better at that. Interesting. Now it makes, makes sense. And would you, is it all of the, a lot of the work that you do or would recommend, is it organically through LinkedIn or do you advertise on LinkedIn as well? Or is that a kind of a 2.0 type of approach? Well, I think it's definitely 2.0 in the, in the sense that 
you shouldn't spend a dollar on paid advertising until you have the core marketing foundation in place. So until you're good at capturing prospects, following up on them, staying top of mind, there's no point in spending any money on advertising because all you're going to do is, is generate, you know, leads that, that never go anywhere because, because you don't have all of that process in place. So we got to build the foundation first. And once we're taking full advantage of that, then it's time to consider advertising. And then you can really see, okay, here's, here's what my cost per lead is. And over time I can see what does that translate into sales? And then I can really determine, is that working for me? And the, the reason it's so tough for small businesses to get an ROI on advertising is because they don't have that marketing foundation. And without it, it's almost impossible for any form of advertising to pay off. Interesting. Uh, so, so, so important. And is there, I know we've talked a lot of, about what should do, is there things that small business should stop doing that what are some of the most common pitfalls that you see small businesses make? Well, you know, it, it really goes, I, I call it random acts of marketing. That is the <laughs> biggest pitfall, which is things are a little bit slow. And so we're going to pick whatever the newest shiny thing is and go do that. And then next month we're going to do something else. And I mean, if there were a quick fix in marketing, we would, we would all just do it and have enormously successful companies and, and none of this would, would be an in-depth discussion. But of course that, that is not how it works at all. And, and you've got to do exactly the opposite. You've got to pick a long-term strategy and commit to it because it's the only thing that will really pay off. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, so valuable. And, you know, one of the things I've spent most of my time now working with the small businesses, but came from the enterprise world. And, you know, as I was you know, exiting management consulting, one of the things that I saw at that, at the larger level is they can't get out of their own way in the sense of everything that you're talking about here, they're going to need to be able to do. And they're so far away from being able to do it because of the silos and the way they've been doing it for, for decades. I mean, do you see some of these larger companies not being able to make the pivot and ultimately not surviving or is that too, too drastic? Well, you, you have a big advantage in that large company is, is kind of like the Queen Mary and it's going to keep chugging. It's really tough to change the direction. And it's, it's, it's why we have small businesses. It's why startups have strategic acquirers because large companies are not great at innovation. And in fact, it, it actually makes more business sense to go acquire innovation that's already proven in the market. And, you know, thankfully, because it, it gives me somebody to sell companies that I create to. Right. Uh, that's, that's why we have a startup ecosystem. That's why we could have so much fun doing that. So the better run large companies stay competitive by by buying the the best of, of what comes out. And they don't really have to, they don't have to make that change happen internally. But it also means that there's always opportunity for a smaller and more nimble company to compete because you have those advantages and you can be much better at, at communicating what you're great at to, to the market. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Really definitely appreciate your, your time. And this has been so valuable to me and I'm sure our audience. So what's next uh, for you and, and boom time? Well, you know, I, I'm having just a lot of fun that, I've always been passionate about helping entrepreneurs and business owners. And 
this is just such a key part of it. I mean, growth makes business so much more fun. It creates opportunity for everybody in the company. And so I, I just, I have a, a blast doing that. And right now I'm working on a, a, so today we get paid on a subscription basis to, to help somebody's company grow. And what I'm working on next is, is acquiring the best examples of the kinds of companies that we can really help grow because then we can get the full benefit of that, uh, of that growth that we're creating. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited about taking everything that we've learned at Boomtime and, and applying it to companies and, and getting to, you know, get, getting to do it exactly the, the way that, uh, that I think it should be done and, and learning from that. That's interesting. We'll have to get you back on after uh, you make that, that transition. So again, thank you for, for the time today. And in closing, I always like to let the audience get to know you a little bit more personally. So I've got uh, three semi-rapid fire questions, if you're ready. Absolutely. All right. First one, what is an experience that really helps shape who you are today? Well, you know, it was really building that uh, first company, which came out of when, when I was in high school, I would jump over the, the fence and go, there was a little strip mall right next to the high school and working at the, at the sports store there and getting to run my own little business when I was 14, which, which led to creating that first software company when I was 18, getting to see a family run business at that early age and, and see see Tico and Marge Navarro getting to control, you know, their own future because they're running their own business. That was, that just sort of set me on this course of, of always wanting to, uh, to run my own company. Uh, that's fantastic. And I think, yeah, I found that path a little bit later in life, but you know, definitely controlling your own destiny is fulfilling to, to say the least. So awesome. And two, what is one thing you would highly recommend? It could be professional or personal. Well, you know, I, I just read Malcolm Gladwell's new book, Talking to Strangers, and you know, he's he's always got a way of coming up with with interesting insights. And I think this one is is particularly useful for understanding why why we have such a tough time really getting across to to people we don't know well. And and so I, it's not really a business book, but I I think it I think it applies so well to some of the challenges that we see in managing inside our companies and then selling to clients. At, I really recommend reading it. Interesting. I'll add that to the show notes too. What was the the title? Uh, Talking to Strangers. Okay. No, that's it. I'll add that to my uh, my Kindle list. And then last but not least, if you could have one more beverage, kind of think of it as your last meal, what would it be? This is going to be just horrible because it's the addiction I have, which is Dr. Pepper 10 which is the, it's the diet version of Dr. Pepper with 10 calories that you can like only get in random weird stores, <laughs> which I think it adds to the allure because it's a little tough to, uh, to find. And, and it's horrible being, being addicted to diet soda, but I haven't, I haven't solved that problem yet. <laughs> no, it's, at least it's unique, right? <laughs> That's the first answer. And I used to be a big Dr. Pepper fan as well. I still see their commercials all over the place. So they must be, more, there's more people out there like you than, than, than not. <laughs> It's not recommended, so uh, not 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 saying that's great advice. That's all right, but if it was your last one. You might as well go down <laughs> go down swinging, right? Exactly. Well, Bill, thank you very much for for joining me today. I learned a lot. I think the audience learned a lot, and uh, like I said I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Thanks and last, I almost forgot to include where people can find you. Where's the best place to um, to people learn more about you and and reach out? 
Well, I appreciate that. So we're, we're at boomtime.com. You can tell I love talking about marketing. You can reach out to me at CEO at boomtime.com. I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. The, the things I'm recommending you do, it's exactly what we do. You can look up my profile on LinkedIn and, and see it happening. Yeah. And don't forget, uh, the podcast is really good too. It's, I think the recent addition to your, your assets, right? It is. So I'm, I'm following, following in your, in your footsteps. We, we started the, the B2B word of mouth uh, marketing podcast and we just lay out exactly what we have learned and what you need to do to, to have great marketing. Yeah. And what I really like about it is it's in, it's in digestible size, like 15, 20 minutes. I just listened to your, um, discussion on sales navigator. So people, you know, who listen to this episode and want to learn more about it, you can either listen or, or go find the resources on, on boomtime.com. So again, thank you, Bill. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Brett. It's been fun. All right. All right. Take care. You've been listening to Hardwired for Growth. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit brettrainer.com. That's B-R-E-T-T followed by his last name, T-R-A-I-N-O-R dot com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.